I'd like to thank you all for being here tonight. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died, and behold, I am alive evermore, and I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you shall live also. Friends, we, we are gathered here for two reasons this mor morning. First, uh, we gather to celebrate the life of George W. Mull. Um, he lived a fantastic life, and that life was a gift from God. Every single uh, breath was a measure of God's grace, and George knew this. And I am thankful to have known him. Uh, it is with good reason that we celebrate George's life with great joy today. But there, there's really a lot to celebrate uh, second, we gather today to find hope in the face of death. We come with, with, with our grief. We acknowledge uh, that, that there is a real loss in our life. We gather to be reminded that Jesus did defeat death. We gather to find courage and comfort in the void left by death. We gather together to be reminded that we too will be with George in the resurrection, in the presence of our Savior. And so may God grant you grace that in pain you might find comfort, that in sorrow you might find hope, and that in the midst of death you might again remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, let's pray together. Father, your love never ends. When everything else fails, you are still God. And so we pray uh, for one another now in our, in our moment of need. God, we pray for those who aren't here with us, who are still mourning with us this day. God, to those who doubt, give them light. To those who are weak, give them strength. To all who have sinned, give your mercy. To all who sorrow, bring your peace. Keep true to us the love with which we hold one another. God, in all our ways, we trust you. Give to us now your grace that... As we shrink before the mystery of death, we may see the light of eternity. We pray this all in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I invite you all now to sit under and enjoy the ministry of music. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fill not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord to me summer and winter and springtime and harvest sun moon and stars in their courses above join with all nature in man 
faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. I spoke about two purposes in a Christian funeral. The one is to celebrate the life, and the other is to find hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read a scripture here from the Old Testament, and then after that, we're going to invite uh, members of the family to come forward and to do that first part, to, to, to celebrate the life of, of Dr. Maul. And then after that, uh, we're going to have a song, and then Reverend Blaha is going to really uh, give us uh, the gospel. And so... Uh, I want to invite you to hear the word of the Lord today, read from the Old Testament. It comes from the prophet Isaiah, uh, 25th chapter, verses 6 through 9. I picked this because I heard the gospel in it. I heard the gospel in the face of death in it. I even heard in this kind of this idea of, uh, of the Eucharist. So I want to read to you now uh, the word from the prophet. On this mountain... The Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in that salvation church the grass withers and the flowers fade but the word of our lord will stand forever and this is the word of our lord thanks be to god in case you didn't know that day in which the prophet spoke about was the resurrection of jesus christ uh, as we move on i, I want to uh, bring forward the family Anita, you want to come forward and begin to share with us and then one at a time as you see fit Morning. My name is Arnido. Uh, I'm the husband of uh, Susie's younger sister, Sonia. Uh, I've known George since I married Sonia, of course, in San Diego. Uh, Sonia and I drove from San Diego because he didn't want to fly. But nevertheless, I, uh, when I married Sonia, that's when I met uh, George. And I know George from conversations that my Sonia and her sister have had because, you know, they're all, she's always talking to her sister on the phone, and I'm always around when they're talking. 
So I know all yours from that because we're so far away, we hardly get together, but we do get together in very important occasions like graduations from medical school, uh, their anniversary, we were here for a long time. And, uh, but, and George sometimes comes to California on his conferences. And uh, that's when we all get together. But I know George from afar because of all the conversations that my Sonia and her sister had. I know George is a very caring man, dedicated to his family, his community, his church, and his craft, being a doctor. Nevertheless, I hear a lot from conversations that he is a very, very workaholic doctor uh, from being a researcher and, and a professor. So I had a first-hand uh, experience of that when I came on vacation uh, with my mother-in-law and left her with Susie. Uh, in the evening, after dinner, George, George would come home for dinner. And after dinner, he invited me, he invites me in the backyard and sit in the uh, uh, pergola and listen to, uh, what was that radio show uh, from Madison, Wisconsin, I guess it was. Yes, Lake Wobegon. So anyways, George and I would sit there and drink some wine and then after a couple glasses of wine, the first night I was surprised. He said, Arnito, I have to go back to work. I said, what do you mean? It's uh, 8 o'clock, 8.30 at night. He goes, well, I have a lot of work to do. So I said, okay. So the, the, night, the, the days that we're here, every night we do the same thing. We drink a couple glasses of wine and he go back to work. So that's when I really, really knew that George was workaholic. He could not leave work alone. But nevertheless, he's a, he's a great family man, a great brother-in-law to me, and associate siblings. And I knew he was a very patient man, too, because he waited for Susie to finish her obligation to her family before getting married. Just to let you know, Susie sent her brothers and sisters to school while she was working here in America. Susie, thank you to you and George, because we have better lives because you sent your sisters and brothers to school. That's how I do George. Very patient, very caring, and work real, real hard. The only sad thing on my part is that my brother-in-law, George, could not enjoy a long retirement. That truly is the only sadness that I have because of all the work that he has done, all the years that he has worked hard, he could not enjoy a very long retirement. But George, thank you. Thank you for being around us. And I know when we, you and I get to meet in heaven, we'll probably be singing that song that uh, you sang when we were on vacation in the Philippines by Elvis. I think the title was When I Fall in Love. And George sing it like Elvis would have sang it. Uh, if you have a Facebook account, you can find that. I, I shared it on Facebook and you will have fun watching him saying that to Susie. Again, George, we'll say farewell. I'm not gonna say goodbye because someday I'll probably, I will meet you in heaven. But farewell, George. Thank you for everything. many as you know, my dad was a very quiet man to most people. And something y'all didn't know is usually when I had to give any type of speech or any type of presentation, especially the last 
few years in college, he was the one besides my mom who would give the final say-so if it was good or not. <laughs> and sadly, today, Dad can't be the one, so hopefully he's approving of this one. I guess that most people, he was quiet. He has, he enjoyed his life, simple as it is. And when I say simple, he enjoyed his vacations to Disney every year. My friend reminded me recently that, remember the time when all he loved was looking for the fish and he had his video camera for three hours, videotaped every single fish at Disney, that finally when the fireworks show was that night, the battery ran out and we all looked at him and I was like, why did you spend all that time looking at the fish and filming them? And he said, I was looking for Nemo. And that's the type of dad he was. He was one who enjoyed just the simple things. And he loved his work. He loved his children. And when I say children, yes, that's my sister and me, but that was all of his patients he touched. I grew up always knowing that my dad loved what he did. Never complained. Just wanted to go to work, take care of the kids, come home, see my mom and my sister and I. And it was his dedication to his work that honestly inspired me to be a doctor. When I was a nurse and I talked to him and he said, you have an awesome brain. You just have a, to have a little bit of faith in yourself. And he pushed me and encouraged me along with my mom. And then throughout all that, even if I strayed a little bit away from endocrinology, he always knew that event that I would come back to it. And I thank him for that. I know he's very proud of me, and I'm very thankful for having my dad, who encouraged me, who, in his own quiet ways, was always there. He would fix my roof when it was leaking. 2 a.m. if I needed printer ink because my paper was due, he would go to Walmart and get it for me. And I thank you, Daddy, for all of that. Like I told you multiple times, especially these last few weeks, I know you're with me. I know you are standing there right beside me, and I know that when I get those times when I don't know what I'm doing or I feel overwhelmed, you're there. And like I said, every day I left you, I love you, Daddy. And... I know you're always there. Okay. Hey, Dad. Don't worry. I'm, I'm going to be good. Tisa's given me about a 30% chance of uh, getting this right. So knowing her, that's actually okay. Um, many of my memories of my dad have been surrounded by the hospital. Even when I was, there's a picture of me as a baby, he's got me in the right arm and he's got his research papers on his left arm and I think I'm looking at something. I think I may have been six months. I would remember him in his office. I would play there, um, figuring out the growth charts and he'd try to explain it to me. I would bring popcorn with him to the nurses' stations every Christmas. I would answer those phone calls in the morning saying, it's a blood sugar. But I knew every time he had to go to work or those phone calls at two, three, sometimes multiple times in the morning, I knew it was for a higher good. And it was to help a child in need and to give a family hope. So I willingly and happily said, okay, Dad, we got this. You go do, you go do what you need to do, which is what he loved, his passion. He loved science and he loved medicine and he truly loved every patient he had. He could tell the nurses on the phone exactly the details of any patient that came in the door, how he kept all that information. He knows. Um, some of my non-medical memories, uh, one that I really, really love, I don't know if my mother would remember this, but um, when I was about four or five, I would sneak up into their room with dad and we'd turn on the TV and we'd watch our TV shows starting at midnight. It would be The Muppet Show followed by MASH, which is still one of my faves, and Doctor Who. And we'd sit there and watch for hours on end and then 
turn it off and I go back to bed. There's so much I want to say, but I know we don't have a lot of time. But the one thing I know that my dad and I do have is time, just in a different form. He's now with me, and I can, I don't, I, I can say you're here. I don't have to worry about the work or anything. I know he's there, and he'll always be there, as a friend of mine said, till the end of time, because he'll be remembered in our hearts and our minds, and reading the the thank yous and everything I saw on Facebook from his patients and the nurses and staff that had the honor and privilege of having him really has helped me because it proved to me when I was a little girl exactly what I thought, that it was for a higher good. So he not only took care of a, my sister and me and my mom, but he took care of countless Mississippi families for so many years, and that is a legacy that will be remembered by so many. So, thank you, Dad, and <laughs> don't worry, me and my sister have got this. We'll take it from here for you. Much love. Sometimes wife doesn't have the strength to come and say something when their loved ones pass away. But if I know George, he would say, Susie, I'm waiting for you to say something. Because in every conferences and conventions and every banquet that I took you with me, and you join me with me, you're more outspoken than I am. You ask questions, even in the conferences that I attend, you sit down there, and you have this mind to ask them. It's either you, sometimes, you just want the answer. And I know George is waiting for me to say something said, Susie, say something before I say, before you say goodbye and I say goodbye. It's very hard to lose, all of us lost our spouse and loved ones, but it's very hard to lose George. More than 42 years ago, I wake up in a dream that I worked so hard and then I woke up in a dream that I'm single, I'm an old and I spinster. And I don't know what time and I said, oh Lord, this is a bad dream. So I went downtown Chicago where I go to Chicago Temple which is a Methodist church where I used to pass by every time I go downtown and I go and pray and sing my hymns and for some reason I asked the Lord if he could find me because I'm 27 years old and I don't have any boyfriend if he could find me a man that will marry me and be good to me so I met you George and we'd been married for 42 years. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say goodbye because you are so healthy and I'm not. I thought you'd be doing what I'm doing today, not me. God has a plan for everybody, and I know that. I just want to say thank you for everything. Thank you for more than 42 years together. 
Thank you for loving me unconditionally, and thank you when I, I get mad or whatever, you just keep quiet. And most of all, yes, we've been through for 42 years. We have our ups and downs, but you know why? what? We hold on together because we love each other. I thank the Lord and I thank you, George, for giving me two wonderful kids. I could not have made it without them this last almost a month. He did everything. And all I do is to approve and disapprove. He did everything, George. Everything. And, you know, we used to say, if we have children, what do you expect them? When we grow old, what are children going to do to their parents? You, our children live up more than what we parents expected them to be for this last time in your lifetime. They fought for it, that George. They never stop. For three weeks, we pray and they go to the hospital, talk to the doctors, and they are good doctors and nurses. And I thank God we have them. And I thank you for loving me, for who I am and what I am. I just want to share a card that my husband gave me. My husband always, about June 24th this year is our wedding anniversary. And we're supposed to be married for 42 years. And this is the card that you, George, gave it to me. And I just want to share what a man you are to me. And what a man you are. And how you love Susie. Susanna, my wife, my life, my love. Sometimes two people love each other so much. The world around them blooms. Happy anniversary. You are my never ending. You are my never fading flower. Your smile gives energy and beauty to my life. It's morning with you, a beginning. It's evening, a celebration of our life. Sharing pride in what we and our daughters have accomplished. I thank God for blessing we received. I thank God, our faith in God, to carry us on in the health, happiness, and success in God's service. Love, George. This is going to be the last card that I'm going to receive from George. But George has so many cards. M. George, goodbye, and I will see you again. Hold God's hand and walk and enjoy it. And please don't give the Lord a hard time by disappearing, and he's going to look for you on your way home. You do that all the time when we go for a vacation. And I thank Reverend Blaha and Reverend Tyson for this wonderful celebration of George's life. I thank all our friends, the colleagues, and everybody, and all over our friends all over the world who in time of need prayed for us, sent us cards, hoping George will get well. I thank you from my family to yours. I thank you from my bottom of my heart. Thank you. God blesses, and God is always good. Thank you.
Thank you, Arhito and Teresa, Tina, Susanna. Um, you all expressed very well what I think George means to you and what you meant to him. Um, in his letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes at the end of sort of near the end of the letter after he's talked about the gospel and he's talked about the glories of the resurrection. He said, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come together for love, for comfort, for encouragement. And that often we come also to have our faith encouraged and strengthened. And we do pray for that this day. And so we do pray that in the life of one of your servants, that we see the life of your son. And in him have eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We often speak of our, our occupations. That's our jobs, our work. And uh, the thing we do, and I, and I guess it's, it's um, those are all functional, they do well. I think a term that was more common back in the day, and I think we still hear it some, but not as much, is, is the idea of a vocation. When we speak of a man's vocation, sometimes we speak of people buying bi-vocational. They might have two different jobs, works, whatever. And vocation comes from a word that means calling, or calling in life. And it was one of the great contributions of the Protestant Reformation that it sort of of restored the dignity of the things we're called to do here in life. That it wasn't simply the work, that's a good phrase, a good idea. It wasn't simply our job or our, our, our occupation. It was a calling that we had. And whether you were a king or a ditch digger, whether you were a priest or a nursing mother, whether you were a lawyer or a seamstress, whether you were a soldier or an endocrinologist, you had a calling. You had a vocation. 
Um, we're told in the scriptures, from the very first, at the very beginning in creation, that God created all things. He created man, male, and female. He said, be, multi- uh, be fruitful, multiply, and also go out and tend the garden and subdue the earth. Have children and work. And it's the heart of the calling. And that apart from these things, man is not fully in the image of God. And so that's part of the image of God in us. Our vocation, our calling. In the book of Ephesians, when the Apostle Paul declares that great doctrine that we are saved by grace through faith, he said we are actually the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for good works. Another place the Apostle James says that if our works are not what they ought to be, we ultimately deny the faith we profess. And then our text here this morning. It says that what we do matters. And if we do it in Christ... And here is the interesting thing. It lasts forever. Be steadfast, immovable, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And that's sort of, we we think of in the Old Testament where the, 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 the wise man said, everything is vanity of vanities. Everything is meaningless, ultimately, from a perspective where there is no God. But in God, and ultimately and supremely in his son Christ, everything that we do in this world, if it be done in Christ, is not in vain. It doesn't disappear. It exists forever. As Christians, we believe in more than the immortality of the soul. Many non-Christian faiths believe that. We don't look forward to... George Maul did not look forward to a disembodied state of sort of eternal retirement. We look to the resurrection of the body. It's transformation... But it's coming back to life. Our our great creeds speak very little of the um, immortality of the soul. They speak of raised from the dead. You mentioned, we will see you again. And you're with us in some very special ways now. But at the heart of our faith is one day, believers will see believers again. In the resurrection. Made in the image of God, we are created to be embodied. We have bodies are our goal. There's a short period of time when we are absent from the body, but present with the Lord as George is this day. And it is a great time of bliss. But even it is not the final end. And so that's why in the book of Acts, when they said we have to find somebody to fill the place of Judas, it had to be somebody who saw the resurrection. And if you look at all the places in that book where it says they witnessed of Jesus, it always said they witnessed of the resurrection. The Apostle John, when he writes a letter at one time, he says, we touched something, we heard something, we we felt something, we saw something, and this is what we're going to talk to you about. And so when God says he wants to save us, what does he do? God becomes flesh and blood. He receives a name like a regular person. And Jesus is a very regular name in that culture. He lived and he breathed. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He died on a cross. He was really buried in a cave. And he rose from the dead. And in that strange scene of continuity and discontinuity where there's Jesus who could be recognized and yet Jesus who is transformed. People could put their hands in the scars and feel them. The old world and the new world coming together. 
that body with its scars ascended to the throne of God and it now rules the universe. And in the great wisdom of God, something of what we are made of, our humanity, has been assumed into the throne of the universe. And the final result of all this is one day we look to a day in which there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And even as our brother shared early on, death is swallowed up at that time. There will be no more death. And we're destined to look like Jesus. And it sounds strange to us. And it sounds strange to a lot of people. When it was first being preached, Paul, Paul would declare it and, and people would mocking for it. They wouldn't even understand it. Evidently, this was so important to him, they'd say, there must be this God he's talking about called resurrection. He'd say, no, the, man is, the God is Jesus and the resurrection is what he has planned for us. But Paul says in one place, if Jesus Christ doesn't rise from the dead, then we're the most to be pitied. Because we're still dead in our sins. None of us will ever get up. And this is why what we do in our calling, our vocations, means so much in this life. It's just not that we make money and we live and, and, and we help and all that's good things, but we are starting to see that we're called to do things eternally. We're not only supposed to live forever, but we're supposed to be useful, fruitful, productive for all eternity. We are called to salvation, but we're all called to eternal usefulness. And look, the problem here is we start running out of categories. George was a man incredibly useful. And so we can kind of see a little bit of it. But it's really hard to get to. The Apostle Paul said there were people that would mock believers because of the resurrection of the body. Because all the things that you and I can think of right now, some of these things I've said, I said, you go, yeah, but. And you could probably say some things that would be very hard to understand what does it look like? What is a resurrected body? What's it? And Paul's answer was, how is the thing sown ever to look like the thing to be? Uh, the way I would say that is, I don't know what the seed of a California redwood would look like, but I, I can imagine nothing like the final product there. I don't know what the seed of a human looks like, but what does a human look like? And that was his answer. He says, I, I can't explain it. I can only say this. Whatever is there is so going to exceed the glory of God. I mean, the glory of the seed that it looks like Jesus. And I would say that's the same thing with what we're called to do in the next world. We're made to be embodied and to live in a creation. And that's how we glorify God. And that's what we will do for eternity. At some point. And when I think of the life of Dr. George Mall, it is this Christian concept of vocation and calling that grabs my attention. I don't think anybody missed it from the family as they shared here. In the, in, in the obituary, some, and I think uh, Tina did that and, and did a very good job, it, he mentions a quote that he loved very much. We are all stories in the end, just make it a good one. That is a good quote, and there's a lot of truth to it. And this was a man who made it a good one. As we often are able to do, we, Reverend um, Taylor and myself were able to sit with a family and get to hear from them and talk to them about someone's life. And I, I think they just did it. Much of what we got to hear, they shared with us. And so I'm not going to repeat all of that. But we're able to, as you did to today, hear the passion, the hearts, the pain at the loss, the respect, the love for George, the sense that he had, though I don't think they used the word, a calling with what he did. He was an excellent husband. And, uh, you know, I, one of the things, and I, I think I was sharing with Teresa beforehand, but um, I, Susanna and, and, and George, they're really, really good for each other. 
You allowed him to do what he was called to do. And I think you're a person, I think whatever you did, you'd be very successful in it. You were able to do a lot of stuff, the things you wanted to do. And you, you divided your, just talking to your, your, your duties, and you raised two beautiful daughters. Um, you could see how much they loved him, and, 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 and certainly he loved them, and he was so proud of them. That comes out. And it is a testimony that they didn't run from his calling, but they embraced it. They became what dad was. They're both physicians in their own right. And yes, as they talked, what we talked about him as the man, that he was brilliant. Um, he had a great mind, and it was a different kind of mind. It was intuitive. It loved research, and, it, and yet it, it, it could grab ideas, and, 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 and it could remember what it had to remember. But in the midst of all that, he had a humility. And I think it was that combination of brilliance and humility that allowed him to be the kind of person and ultimately physician that he was. They have the kind of calling that we would all look to and go, if I had to use my life right, that's what it would look like. You know, it's ironic. He did not intend medicine to be the big thing he would be known for. It was biochemical research. But he had to kind of do that as part of the research. But as it moved on, he became known as a physician. He was focused. He did what he had to do. I mean, some of the things that, that, that they, they shared, and I guess now that I look back, I go, you're right. He mostly just wore a blue, you know, blue jacket, a white shirt, khaki pants, which was really big back, back in the 80s and 90s, and evidently somebody said he looked good in that, and okay, that's good. That, don't need to change that. Um, I, you know, he, he, did, he didn't like uh, do, he, buying the car, buying the house, doing the shop. Susie, you do that. Just one question. Can we afford it, Susie? We can afford it. You find it. Show it to me. I'll pick it. He was incredibly focused on his calling. I don't know how much it was intentional, how much it was just the psychological makeup he had, but it was a gift given to people that blessed them. But here's what he's... He, so, that, as I, and I'm going to read a few of these things they alluded to in just a second here. But his incredible empathy and compassion... For people. He really desired to help them. You know, they would talk about him getting, going to bed at midnight and getting up at 4.30. That was his thing. He'd have his coffee, he'd have his juice, uh, his cereal, and off to work he goes. They mentioned they have, you know, his, his office at home is, is, an up, is sort of the upstairs there. The light has been on for 17 years. Have you turned it off yet? They're, they're talking, we don't know if we're going to turn it off. What does that mean when a man who's dedicated to, my, there's my office where I do my job, the light never goes off. And so it's not surprising the kinds of testimonies of this man's life. I, 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 I want to read seven or eight of them. I thank you again uh, uh, for uh, Tina getting some of these to me. And, and, um, and one of my, well, today is actually the back of your thing. I, and I've, I've taken a few things out. In every place, they're talking about how much they um, sympathize and give condolences to the families and the loss of the family and to the community. But just here's some of the things he, he, the people were saying. He was my daughter's physician from birth until she turned 18. He was by far the best physician we had ever encountered. His knowledge of science and medicine was definitely unmatched. Thank you, Dr. Mall, for the many years of care and compassion you provided. I'm so sorry to hear this. Dr. Mall saved our son's life on April 14, 1994. He was 11 months old. None of the other local doctors had seen diabetes in a baby. The medical community and the pediatric diabetic patients have lost an amazing doctor. Another. Um, he was my doctor for 12 years and a wonderful one. I'll always remember his dry humor. He kept us laughing. No doubt his patients were the beat of his heart. Another says he was my son's physician almost from birth. He is probably the reason my son is alive 20 years later. I will forever be grateful for his knowledge, guidance, and kindness. He was an amazing physician, a kind person, and the mind of the sort one rarely comes across. My family and countless others we have been blessed to have been able to know Dr. Mall. Another. He will be forever grateful, or we will be forever grateful to Dr. Mall. He was instrumental in caring for my son 25 years ago when he was very sick. We truly believe he would not be here 
um, if it were not for Dr. Mall. And the hours he spent trying to figure out what was wrong with him, he, of course, figured it out. My son is a very healthy pilot in the United States Air Force. Another, the word of medicine has lost a brilliant mind and very caring and compassionate physician. Thank you to the family of Dr. Mall for sharing him with the rest of the world. If it were not for his early diagnosis of childhood Graves' disease and 13 years of prolonged treatment, treatment my 28-year-old daughter would not be here today. Two more. Dr. Moll was my oldest son's endocrinologist from age three. He was an amazing doctor with a wealth of knowledge. We always got a typed summary of our visit in the mail, and, and I have kept many of those. When my son had appendicitis in his junior high, Dr. Mall called in the middle of the night to check on him. When he had a wreck and was in, in, in ICU, Dr. Mall came to the bedside and let, and let us put his insulin pump on when the other doctors didn't know how to use it, or the others there didn't know how to use it. And this final one, it's actually in the, um, some of it is a larger version, I think, is in your, on your um, bulletin there. But uh, for those that are streaming, I, I think they would want to hear this too. Dr. George Mall died today at UMMC after a long stay in the ICU with complications of COVID. He was the consummate physician, scientist, teacher. He had an MD and a PhD in biochemistry from the University of Chicago. He was a faculty and a teacher at Emory Atlanta prior to coming to Mississippi in the late 80s. He taught every pediatric student and resident since then. He was the only pediatric chronologist in Mississippi for many years. He loved science and research. He had a wet lab in his office at UMMC with everything needed for basic science. However, his dedication to the children of Mississippi took priority. The flasks and the Bunsen burners collected dust while he was seeing diabetics in the clinic or consults in the wards. He was a family man. He wore bow ties. If you took care of his patients, you quickly understood the importance of dedication to fastidious Attention to detail. The patients left each appointment with a two-page type summary, and the primary care physician received an identical copy of, in the mail. After your residency was over, you could call him at any time, for any reason, from any emergency room, and he, all capped, helped you. Physicians of this caliber is, caliber is what Mississippi, why makes Mississippi a special place. He will be dearly remembered and greatly missed. He saved many and he inspired many. George Mall was a believer. Uh, he had been a member here at Lakeside for uh, over 30 years, he and Susanna. He was faithful. He came to the service. He would, at his, um, when, when he, he, he would listen to the messages, and, and uh, Pastor Taylor would, I would tell you, he'd come up and give something back that he had heard in the message. Often people do not do that. But as a believer, he knew the gospel. He knew that Jesus Christ died for his sins, that Jesus Christ was buried, and that Jesus Christ rose from the dead which means he was a sinner like all the rest of us, but saved by grace. And today he also understands that to be absent from the body is to be present joyfully with the Lord. We're sad. He's not. We have a sense of loss. He has an assurance of gain. And he also knows that as God raised Jesus from the dead so also will our Lord Jesus transform this lowly body to be like our Lord's glorious body in the great day of the resurrection that we all look forward to. And so, and so because of these things, we bear witness that George William Mall was born November 23rd, 1947, and he died August 13th, 2020. By the sovereign will of God, in his timing, who gives and takes away, he was with us 72 years, 8 months, and 21 days. And by his confession, and by the resurrection of his Savior, 
He was useful, doing good works in this world, and will be and do so forever. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come for comfort and strength. We come to hear of the faithfulness of your Son. We also come to be encouraged by the faithfulness of your servants. We do pray that even as we are comforted and we meditate on the one who believed, we meditate also on the object of that faith, our Lord Jesus Christ. And may his Savior, Father, be our Savior. May his Lord be our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My job now to kind of come up and uh, and give a benediction and send you on your way with a blessing, but to also kind of summarize what we've heard. Five speakers, a lot of things. I think that when God was giving away gifts to people, he, he doesn't always give everyone the same gift and the same amount. And that uh, when he gave gifts to George, he, he gave an extra helping of what we, we've talked about in my office of that, that beautiful mind. And as Jim talked, it, it struck me that it was a really proper description of George to say that he was a really humble man. Like this, his humility was kind of striking. Um, being as brilliant as he was, when you were with him, his eyes were kind, his words were kind. Man, he just handled himself in that way. 
And if what at the end of our days we're judged for is how we used what God poured into us in our creation, his beautiful mind, and his humility, then I would judge that George was a good and faithful steward of the gifts that God had given to him. To the point that he would leave after two glasses of wine and go back to work and I don't know how many letters there are out there of mothers of babies that are alive because of the work of George. George was not a saint. He was not perfect. But man, he really loved his girls. And uh, that, that part of him that was humble, it was humble and it was encouraging towards you. And I heard those stories of how he believed in you and loved you and trusted you. And he believed and loved his wife. And so I think a way to wrap this up is to say this. Thank God for George Mall. Thank God for the doctor that he was for the state of Mississippi. Thank God for the lives that he saved. Thank God for the father that he was. Thank God for the husband that he was. I thank God that we got to know him. Receive now your benediction. Um, and, and let me just say this as a means of instruction. After the service is over, what we would normally do is we would escort the family out. Um, today we want to do just the opposite. The family is going to stay and they're going to have some time with uh, the casket and with the body, and uh, we're going to have a time, just a small time, just the immediate family of, of blessing there. And so we're going to ask that after the benediction that, that kind of everyone else would exit and the family's going to stay back, okay? Uh, so re receive your benediction. Go now in the sure and certain assurance of the resurrection to eternal life. And as you do, take with you the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus' Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit until we meet again. Amen. Uh, you are now dismissed.